welcome back to Scriptures with Mom and Terry. I'm the mom, Linda Weiniger, and we are going to be reading Doctrine and Covenants section 129 to 132, and we are almost done again. I'm starting like with the almost dones. Um, I guess I should tell you how many there are. So you know, there's 138 sections. So we're in 132, which means we only need one, two, three, four, five, six sections left. So that's exciting. And you have stuck around this whole time. And even if you haven't, you've jumped around and that's okay too. But you are almost done with DNC. And then next year we get to learn um, from the Old Testament. So that'll be exciting. And let's see, we have Reddit and Hostess notes coming up. They have not come up just yet. So we're going to start section. Oh, and guess what? We're back in Utah, and it was so good to see all of the kids again. You guys, it feels like you guys have grown a little bit while we were gone. And I always don't like that because I'm like, wait, I know. I know I didn't leave you like that. <laughs> huh. And so that's why it's so hard to leave sometimes on trips because we don't want you guys growing up without us. But then again, it's also really good for us to go on trips. Right? So, okay. Section 129. Instructions given by Joseph Smith, the prophet at Nauvoo, Illinois. February 9th, 1843. Making known three grand keys by which the correct nature of ministering angels and spirits may be distinguished. One to three, there are both resurrected and spirit bodies in heaven. Four to nine, keys are given whereby messengers from beyond the veil may be identified. So what's kind of funny about this section is I was listening to the Don't Miss This podcast and Brother Butler started talking about how when he was little, he would um, remind himself to read this section before he went to bed every night so that he would be ready in case any angels were to come visit he would know the rules and I thought that was pretty hilarious but it also reminded me that I remember doing like similar things but not necessarily rereading it every night but just trying to remember like okay I'm supposed to shake their hand or not supposed to shake their hand but I'm supposed to, if they touch me, that means that they're a real angel. Or if they don't touch me, that means they're a real angel. Or <laughs> it was so funny because I'm like over here, a kid, like as if at some point in time, the Lord's going to um, send an angel to me. And so I basically thought that there was going to be an angel coming to me when I was little. And I guess it's not hard to believe, namely because... Joseph Smith saw Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ when he was just 14. So I think as a child, we believe like for sure it's possible for us. But I have to remind myself of what Joseph Smith was doing in the grove in the first place. He was trying to find the right church to join. And I don't think I've ever prayed about that because I was, I was always in the right church. <laughs> um, and I've never really struggled with being in the right church. I mean, I did hop around sometimes. I'd go to other wards, 
But that was just so I could meet different people. It wasn't because I thought that, that, that our church was not the right one. But anyways, um, and so I have to remind myself, like, that is... If, if I'm seeking to learn wisdom and seeking answers for my prayers like that, that have to do with, you know, um, religion or things like that, I think, then I'd probably be more likely to maybe see an angel. Um, but who knows? I don't make those angel rules. Okay. So I just thought it was funny that that's kind of like what we think about when we think about these verses okay number one there are two kinds of beings in heaven namely angels who are resurrected personages having bodies of flesh and bones okay and we remember that here's we remember that we are resurrected or that we're not resurrected beings yet because we haven't died right but but we do know that there are some beings or some people who have been resurrected already from the scriptures. And I'm going to have you go find them because I don't know where it is exactly. <laughs> but I do know that there's a limited amount of peeps who were resurrected. Um, and it looks like Flora is getting a little bit sad. Um, also to note that we need to remember is that this was given to um this was given to the apostles this revelation was not for the whole church necessarily but it was focused on apostles because maybe they were more likely to see angels and so then they needed this revelation to kind of help them discern which one was which um in Elder Jeffrey R. Holland in the October 2008 General Conference, he said, from the beginning down through the dispensations, God has used angels as his emissaries in conveying love and concern for his children. Time is the setting. Time in this setting does not allow even a cursory examination of the scriptures or our own latter-day history, which are so filled with accounts of angels ministering to those on earth. But it is rich doctrine and rich history indeed. So then another time he said, I'm convinced that one of the profound themes of the Book of Mormon is the role and the prevalence and central participation of angels in the gospel, hist- in the gospel story. One of the things that will become more important in our lives the longer we live is the reality of angels, their work, and their ministry. I refer not alone to the angel Moroni, but also to those who more pers- those more personal ministering angels who are with us and around us, empowered to help us, and who do exactly that. I love that. That was by Elder Jeffrey R. Holland in the January 1996 Enzyme. Okay, number two. For instance, Jesus said, handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones as ye see me have. 
Okay, number three. Secondly, the spirits of just men made perfect, they who are not resurrected but inherit the same glory. Okay, here's number four. When a messenger comes saying he has a message from God, offer him your hand and request him to shake hands with you. Five, if he be an angel, he will do so and you will feel his hand. If he be the spirit of a just man made perfect, he will come in his glory for that is the only way he can appear. Seven, ask him to shake hands with you, but he will not move because it is contrary to the order of heaven for a just man to deceive, but he will still deliver his message. If it be the devil as an angel of light, when you ask him to shake hands, he will offer you his hand and you will not feel anything. You may therefore detect him. These are the three grand keys whereby you may know whether an administration is from God. Wow, that's pretty fun. Right? Okay, there's some commentary here on verses four through nine. During this time in church history, perhaps because of Joseph's experience and sharing of experiences regarding angels and those of others who had witnessed angels, there was much interest in the topic of discerning angels. About the time of this journal entry recorded here in section 129, Joseph wrote, a man came to me in Kirtland and told me that he had seen an angel and described his dress. I told him he had seen no angel, that there was no such dress in heaven. He grew mad. That's funny that <laughs> he got mad. He grew mad and went into the street and commanded fire to come down out of heaven to consume me. I laughed at him and said, you are one of Baal's prophets. Your God does not hear you. Oof, that would be intense to... to to get from from the prophet right as strange as the story is it is one of many experiences hey where are you going she's trying to climb over me <laughs> but there's all kinds of space around me miss um says which joseph knew for himself the distinction between angels and spirits from god and those from the adversary joseph did not take administration from the adversary lightly on one occasion he taught wicked spirits have their bounds limits and laws by which they are governed or controlled and it is very evident that they possess a power that none but those who have the priesthood can control. Okay, we gotta help this miss go sleepin'. This is time for a little nappies. Yeah. She's such a good walker. Well, with assistance. She's such a go good walker now. She's been standing on her own, Grandma says, and I saw, and she does. And so that's pretty pretty brave of her. Okay, we'll be back. Okay, we're back. Okay, it says here in the Redheaded Hostess uh, study guide, it says, how then do we discern between different angels? Joseph teaches us in simple terms and calls them the three grand keys whereby you may know whether any administration is from God. Or in other words, these are the three scenarios you might run into and this is how you can know if an angel is of God or of the devil. 
One, a resurrected being will come and offer their hand and you will feel a physical hand of flesh and bones. Two, an angel who is not yet resurrected will not offer their hand when you ask because they will not deceive you. And three, an angel of the devil may appear as an angel of light, but when you ask, they will offer their hand, but there will be no physical hand. That is how you can detect them. So I guess you ask, you got to ask to hold their hand or you got to offer to shake their hand and see for yourself that way. Um, Okay, and then in addition to these grand keys, Joseph taught more concerning angels. He instructed things and teachings of the prophet Joseph Smith. We can read, an angel of God never has wings. Some will say that they have seen a spirit that he offered them his hand, but they did not touch it. That is a lie. First, it is contrary to the plan of God. A spirit cannot come but in glory. An angel has flesh and bones. We see not their glory. The devil may appear as an angel of light. Ask God to reveal it if it be of the devil. He will flee from you. If of God, he will manifest himself or make it manifest. Ooh, that's powerful. So I guess we can also just ask God to reveal it. Because then it makes more sense that way. Okay, in section 130... Um, a little bit of background it says on the 2nd of April, 1843, the prophet attended a meeting in Ramus, Illinois, at which the apostle Orson Hyde spoke. Orson focused his thoughts on these two scriptures. First John chapter three, verse two, beloved, now are we the sons of God and it doth not yet appear what we shall, what we shall be, but we know that when we shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And John chapter 14, verse 23 says, Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my, my words, and my father will love him. And, he, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. Orson Pratt elaborated on these scriptures and taught, When he shall appear, we shall be like him etc. He will appear on a white horse as a warrior, and maybe we shall have some of the same spirit. Our God is a warrior. It is our privilege to have the Father and Son dwelling in our hearts. At dinner time, the prophet called the attention of Orson Hyde to these statements and told him that he would offer some corrections. Orson Hyde replied that they would be thankful, thankfully received, whereupon the prophet gave the explanation contained in these paragraphs verses 1 through 17 first privately and afterwards in the meeting that's pretty fun later that evening more questions were asked of the prophet and answers were given by the prophet in response to verses 18 to 23 so i remember i can't remember if it was like in the other verses but it was um there were certain times when he, when the prophet was doing like this cute special dinner with his friends and his friends were talking and asking him questions. And, and I thought that either this section, if it was this, I think it was this section um, or these sections that we have been reading 
And I just think it's kind of cool to know that like, you know, the prophet was for real trying to answer questions that were, that people were concerned with at the time, uh, because they were going through lots of hard things, you know, and, um, and their faith was something that they, uh, shared with, with each other. And so, you know, it'd be like us getting together with friends and talking about the things that matter most to us. So I thought it was kind of cool. Okay, so we're reading section 130, and it says, Items of instruction given by Joseph Smith, the prophet, at Ramus, Illinois, April 2nd, 1843. One to three, the Father and the Son may appear personally to men. Four to seven, angels reside in a celestial sphere. Eight to nine, the celestial earth will be a great Urim and Thummim. Um, 10 to 11, a white stone is given to all who enter the celestial world. 12 to 17, maybe that's why we collect rocks <laughs> or something like that, because maybe we know it's something that we're going to do. 12 to 17, the time of the second coming is withheld from the prophet. 18 to 19, intelligence gained in this life rises with us in the resurrection. 20 to 21, all blessings come by obedience to law. 22 to 23, Father and the Son have bodies of flesh and bones. Okay, verse 1. When the Savior shall appear, we shall see him as he is. We shall see that he is a man like ourselves. I think that's so cool to think that that's what, that, that's how we will see him. Um, because that's how we've been thinking about him this whole time. Right? And... It's, I think it, this kind of just reminds me of like all the different pictures of Jesus Christ and like which one's going to be right, you know, like who's going to be the most correct, who knows, you know, and maybe we'll be all messed up and maybe <laughs> Jesus will come and we'll be like, that's not, we pictured Jesus kind of like this picture of Jesus, you know, and it'll just be a little bit different than what we were envisioning. Obviously, he will be more than anything we would have imagined, right? Like awesomer. But it's just funny that we have to have pictures of Christ so that we can have something to remind us of him. And I think art is just so great. It's the way that certain people are able to depict Jesus Christ in a way that brings up emotions in you. I think, I think is such a good talent um, that they share. Okay. Number two, and that same sociality which exists among us here will exist among us there, only it will be coupled with eternal glory, which glory we do not now enjoy. So we are going to have those same family relationships. I love thinking about that. You know, if we had good family relationships on on earth, then they'll continue and just thinking about that makes me makes me happy, you know. I don't want to be that mom who is nagging and bugging to get you to do homework and stuff all the time because that's not who I am. I only want you to do your responsibilities because I know that that'll help you become who you need to be, but I don't want to be that person who's just always nagging and always telling peeps what to do like as if anybody would want to spend more time with somebody like that later. <laughs> but I want to be able to, and maybe that's something I need to continue to work on, figure out how to inspire, you know? 
Okay, um, in verse 1, so we read, so we read verse 1 and 2, and it says, verse 1, Joseph seemed to have no doubt that when the Savior returned, he would appear as he did when he was on the earth, but this time as a resurrected, glorified being with flesh and bones. Who better to know this than one who has seen the Savior multiple times, as he declared in section 76, 22 to 24. For we saw him, right? And then in verse 2, not only will we see the Savior, but we will learn something about heavenly relationships. In October 2019 General Conference, President Oaks pointed out that, that this verse may be describing kingdoms of glory, not necessarily the spirit world. In fact, President Oaks quoted BYU religion professor Brent L. Top regarding life after death. He said, when we ask ourselves what we know about the spirit world from the standard works, the answer is not as much as we often think. Have, have you ever noticed that general conference speakers often add more thoughts in the footnotes? President Oaks did just that in this talk. He said a revelation to Joseph Smith often quoted about the spirit world states that some sociality which exists among us here will exist among us there. This may be described this may describe a kingdom of glory rather than the spirit world since it continues only it will be coupled with eternal glory which glory we do not now enjoy. So President Oaks was pointing out that this verse might not be talking about the spirit world but rather the kingdoms of glory. And Regarding this sociality, Orson Pratt wrote, A saint who is one in deed and in truth does not look for an immaterial heaven, but he expects a heaven with lands, houses, cities, vegetation, rivers, and animals, with thrones, temples, palaces, kings, princes, priests, and angels, with food, raiment, musical instruments, etc., all of which are material. Indeed, the saint's heaven is a redeemed, glorified, celestial material creation inhabited by glorified material beings, made male and female, organized into families, embracing all the relationships of husband and wives, parents and children, where sorrow, crying, pain and death we know will be known no more. Or to speak still more definitely. Definitely, this earth, when glorified, is the saint's eternal heaven. On it, they expect to live with body parts and holy passions. On it, they expect to move and have their being to eat, drink, converse, worship, sing, play and on musical instruments, engage in joyful, innocent, social amusements, visit... Um, visit neighboring towns and neighborhood neighboring worlds that was given for Morrison Pratt millennial star in November 1866 that's really deep um okay number we're gonna pause for a second because Flora just woke up okay we're back and we are on verse three in Doctrine and Covenants section 130 um but before we move on um I did want to say how awesome we so yesterday we went to elder cooper weiniger's farewell and he really um loved the verse that verse too and in doctrine and covenant section 130 where it says and the that same sociality was which exists among us here 
will exist among us there. Only it will be coupled with eternal glory, which glory we do not now enjoy. And he just kind of went on to talk about how different um, people and friends that he's made throughout his life really made a difference um, for him and that he was grateful for everyone who has been part of his life and that he's grateful that we get to have those same relationships um, later on. And I think that's amazing too. Like sometimes I think, you know, I'm gonna, like, I need to make sure I take care of my family because I'm going to be with my family forever. Right. And so for, because forever sounds like a long time, we're like, oh yeah, well, we better make sure that the time that we spend here with them is really good and, you know, worthwhile and like having a fun time, but also like kind of like finding an equal balance of like hard work and fun. And anyway, um, but I forget that, you know, we're also going to have our same friends and we're going to continue to have our relationships that we have nurtured here on earth um, later. And it's just a good reminder that like, don't be mean to people, you know, like you don't want people to remember that for, for later. And so I really like that reminder. Anyways, Cooper did a great job and he is, he's our nephew, just in case you're listening. And he is just so awesome. And I remember uh, that he also said that there was a story about a guy who, or it's his other grandpa on his mom's side. And it was a guy who was doing the like at a wrecking yard and he was working the ball and chain or something and anyway the ball fell on top of him and it crushed him and and he died but his his grandpa was able to be there and hold him and just really loved him like his own son and how those kind of things um even though they're super sad that like we're grateful that we'll get to have them with us when when we die and how people and our knowledge are going to be the only things that we get to keep with us. So, but then I guess Elder Orson Pratt also says that we might be able to have musical instruments. <laughs> I don't know. So I guess it's a good thing to learn the piano. Um, there you go, fellas and fell and and little lady, in case you're listening. Okay, here we go. Verse three. John fourteen twenty three. The appearing of the Father and the Son in the verse is a personal appearance, and the idea of the Father and the Son dwell in a man's heart is an old sectarian notion and is false. And this I actually listened to on the Doctrine and Covenants Central from the app and they had a video and they, they talked about how um, how the Father and the Son because they have resurrected bodies they cannot dwell in our hearts um, and so he has 
he had to just kind of straighten people out to make sure that they were aware that they can't just dwell in our hearts like like the Holy Ghost can oh, excuse me can help us and can dwell with us, but not the Father and the Son, if that makes sense, because they do have those resurrected bodies. Okay, um, let's see, number four, an answer to the question, is not the reckoning of God's time, angel's time, prophet's time, and man's time according to the planet on which they reside? I answer yes, but there are no angels who minister to this earth but those who do belong or have belonged to it. The angels do not reside on a planet like this earth, and they reside in the presence of God on the globe like a sea of glass and fire. Frodo, he's trying to get like one of the lights, but Flora just fell asleep, so we want to make sure he is not going crazy. Okay, uh, of glass and fire, where all things for their glory are manifest, past, present, and future, and condi- condition con- continually before the Lord. The place where God resides is a great Urim Thummim. Okay, there was this really fun quote, and it says in the Doctrine and Covenant student manual um, of God's perception of time. Lale Woodbury suggested, he said, that God perceives time as instantaneously as we perceive space. For us, time is difficult. We perceive time in the same way that we perceive music, sequentially. Equally complete now is each of our lives before the Lord. We explore them sequentially because we are time blind. But the Lord, perceiving time as space, sees us as we are, not as we are becoming. We are, for him, beings without time. We are continually before him. The totality of our psyches, personalities, bodies, choices, and behaviors. Okay, that's like the best thing ever. And now the fact that I'm usually late (laughs) just means it's because I'm thinking like a god. I'm thinking more of time as space, not specifically time. <laughs> maybe that's, maybe I'll be able to discover what that realm is all about. Um, okay, so continue, and this is found in continually, continually before the Lord, commissioners lecture series, uh, from BYU, page five and six, maybe. Anyway, this was from nineteen seventy four. Amazing, loving that, and that was about verse four. And then about verse 5, it said that these verses who more is taught regarding angels, specifically angels who minister to this earth or who belong to this earth, meaning those who were once living on this earth or perhaps who will live on this earth. President Joseph F. Smith, who himself had personal, personal reason to know of angels beyond the veil, being orphaned as a young teenager and losing many he loved throughout his life, wrote, when messengers are sent to minister in the inhabitants of this earth, to the inhabitants of this earth, they are not strangers, but from the ranks of our kindred friends and fellow beings and fellow servants. The ancient prophets who died were those who came to visit their fellow creatures upon the earth. In like manner, our fathers and mothers, brothers and sisters, friends who have passed away from this earth, having been faithful and worthy to enjoy their rights and privileges 
may have a mission given them to visit their relatives and friends upon the earth again, bringing bringing from the divine presence messages of love, of warning, of reproof, and instruction to those whom they have learned to love in the flesh. From Joseph Fielding Smith, or yeah, Joseph Fielding Smith Gospel Doctrine, pages 435 to 436. Um, And I love that so much and got emotional because I... I have felt a mama be with me sometimes when I was with Flora and really needed extra patience with her. And I've also felt LJ, my sweet Linda Jensen, at times. And and so I know that that that's true, that this statement is so true that that we can be ministered to on the other side of the veil from those that we love and who have loved us. Okay, uh, we're on verse 9. The earth in its sanctified and immortal state will be made like unto crystal and will be a yermanthamum to the inhabitants who dwell thereon whereby all things pertaining to an inferior kingdom or all kingdoms of a lower order will be manifest to those who dwell on it. And this earth will be Christ's. Then the white stone mentioned in Revelation 2.17 will become a Urim and Thummim to each individual who receives one, whereby things pertaining to a higher order of kingdoms will be made known. Number 11, and a white stone is given to each of those who come into the celestial kingdom, Whereon is a new name written, which no man knoweth, save that, save he or she <laughs> that received it. The new name is the key word. Okay, and this reminds me of the temple. In the temple, we get a new name, and we are to not share that name with anyone else. So that's interesting. Um, and... Usually when we go to the temple um, and do a, when people receive the endowments, they get a new name at that time. And we are also not to share other people's new names. Um, and says that, there's a quote here. Uh, verses 6 to 11, it says, these verses will make much more sense to us in a future day. It is also significant to note the connection between the temple and the promises associated with these verses. Note this teaching by President Joseph Fielding Smith. Just kidding. Is Joseph F. Smith the same as Joseph Fielding Smith? Uh, I don't know. Because <laughs> this one, the quote I just read before, it was from Joseph F. Smith, but now they're saying this is Joseph Fielding Smith. So, you know, I think I think you're right. They might be different. Okay. So sons and daughters have access to the home where he dwells and you cannot receive that access until you go to the temple. Why? Because you must receive certain key words as well as make covenants by which you are able to enter. If you try to get into the house and the door is locked, how are you going to enter? If you, 
haven't your key, you get your key in the temple, which will admit you. You cannot find a key on the street, for that key is never lost. That will open the door that enters into the Father's mansions. You have you have got to go where the key is given, and each can obtain the key, if you will. But after receiving it, you may lose it by having it taken away from you again, unless you abide by the agreement which you entered into when you went into the house of the Lord. That's pretty fun. Um, makes sense, you know. Doctrine, uh, this is from Joseph Fielding Smith, Doctrines of the Sal- of Salvation. And so it makes sense that we need a key, right? Okay, um, verse 12. Let me find this again. Because I wanted to... Okay, so verse 12. I prophesy in the name of the Lord God that the commencement of the difficulties which will cause much bloodshed previous to the coming of the Son of Man will be in South Carolina. It may probably arise through the slave question. This a voice declared to me while I was praying earnestly on the subject, December 25th, 1832. Okay, isn't it crazy that during, um, they didn't celebrate Christmas back then? The way we celebrate Christmas? Like, on December 25th, like, they didn't do that. It's interesting. I like that we celebrated it. In fact, right now we're in the process of celebrating it early because we like to get in the spirit of Christmas early around here. And (laughs) I heard um, somebody say once in, like, a meme or something, and it was that if I can have a birthday month, then Jesus can have two birthday months. So it's okay to decorate in November. (laughs) And I love that. Okay, um, number... So that was number 13... Number 14, I was once praying very earnestly to know the time of the coming of the Son of Man, when I heard a voice repeat the following, Joseph, my son, if thou livest until thou art 85 years old, thou shalt see the face of the Son of Man. Therefore, let this suffice and trouble me no more on this matter. (laughs) Then Joseph Smith said, I was left thus without being able to decide whether the this coming referred to the beginning of the millennium or to some previous appearing or whether I should die and thus see his face. I believe the coming of the son of man will not be any sooner than that time, (laughs) which is kind of funny because some people really thought that the second coming was going to be when Joseph Smith was turned 85. And it makes sense because that was kind of like what everybody around that time was trying to figure out because, you know, the, new it's like a new religion a new belief and everything and they were so excited and and God hadn't been talking to anybody and now all of a sudden God is now talking to Joseph Smith and I would have thought the same thing I would have thought that the second coming was coming because you know that's probably why the Lord started talking to people you know that's like makes sense that he would probably want to come around now and so at 85 wouldn't seem really crazy and especially with how fast they were trying to build temples and things I just feel like it would have been a total normal thing for people to think that and um even though 
to us, it seems a little bit crazy because we have 2020 vision from our past right now. <laughs> we know that he hasn't come yet. Um, but we also know that he did get to see Christ before he turned 85 because he passed away and was martyred, you know, and so he got to see him sooner. So the revelation is correct for him. Um, and then there's, uh, oh, I was gonna, I was gonna read that, but I guess that's okay. Okay. Number 18 and 19. Whenever the Whatever principle of intelligence we attain unto in this life, it will rise with us in the resurrection. And if a person gains more knowledge and intelligence in this life through his diligence and obedience than another, he will also, he will have so much of the, so much the advantage uh, in the world to come. Wow, I really sabotage that. Let's try one more time. <laughs> Whatever principle of intelligence we attain unto in this life, it will rise with us in the resurrection. And if a person gains more knowledge and intelligence in this life through his diligence and obedience than another, he will have so much the advantage in the world to come. Yeah, so we can't bring our stuff with us, but we can bring our knowledge and the things that we've learned, our experience and our intelligence. And and I love that he specifies that through our diligence and obedience, we will be able to bring that with us because it is not easy to bring intelligence and, or it is not easy to gain intelligence. And so, so it's through diligence and obedience, um, which is like, I would say, AKA tons of hard work. (laughs) And then you'll be able to learn and then you'll be able to bring that with you. And, you know, I was trying to teach this to Faust and tell him, you know, we're we're trying to teach you not just to play the piano for fun, but because it's a skill that you can develop and you can bring it with you wherever you go. And wherever there's a piano, you'll be able to play. And wherever there's music, you'll be able to read it. And so it's a little bit different than... Um, a lot of different gifts and talents because this is something that you can bring with you. It's a language. Um, the language of music is is a, is different than than most talents. And although some people don't like music, I feel like there is or don't like to take piano lessons and things like that because it's hard work. It will come with us, and I think it's amazing. Um, okay. And then, let's see, verse 20 says, oh, actually right here it says, President Dallany talks for verse 18 to 19. He says, note that intelligence is something more than knowledge. And note also the implication that knowledge is obtained by diligence and intelligence is obtained by obedience. Admittedly, the two methods are not mutually exclusive, but we come close to an important mystery of the gospel when we understand that the intelligence God desires us to obtain is much more than knowledge and it cannot be obtained without obedient obedience and revelation that is the lord's way and it is far beyond the ways of the world this is president Alan H. Oaks, the lord's way um okay and 
numbers 20 yeah okay Verse 20, there is a law irrevocably decreed in heaven before the foundations of this world upon which all blessings are predicated. And when we obtain any blessing from God, it is by obedience to that law upon which it is predicated. Um, I love that because I remember a specific talk from President Nelson saying that there are laws that govern the body and the way that it works. And when we follow those laws and are obedient to those laws, then it's easy to... Um, basically to know how things work, right? And to know that if you do this, then you, you get this outcome. Um, the only thing I can think of that is something that I've learned is like, um, when we were taking care of our body, we did like this food challenge, dad and I, and we did a 30 day sugar fast and we also did a 60 day food challenge and it was amazing to see the transformation that our body had in our mental health, in our energy levels, in our body shape, and in our attitude as well. <laughs> and I only mention attitude because sometimes we were just hangry. <laughs> and not because we were hangry because we hadn't eaten food because this food challenge actually made us eat tons of food. But because we couldn't eat sweets. <laughs> And so we, I think we definitely need to do this again because it's just because like, like it is, you know, like it says, and when we obtain any blessing from God, it is by obedience to that law upon which it is predicated. So when we obey the law of eating healthy and having, you know, proportions to our meals and, you know, not having excess uh, food that our bodies doesn't our body doesn't need, but eat well and give it good grains and nutrition, then our body will be blessed and we will obtain the blessing of health and strength and just like in the word of wisdom, you know? Um, and anyway, just something that I had learned. And so it makes sense that there's different things. It's not that we are, how do I say this? It's not that we are qualifying for the blessings. Like it's not that we're, Hey, as soon as we do all these things, the Lord's going to bless us because we're awesome at doing these things. But it's, it's those things that he has outlined already that they're just waiting for us. It's not, he's not picking and choosing which blessings we get to have. He is just having all these blessings waiting for us. And as soon as we um, go for them, if you will, as soon as we strive for them, then they are given to us. And like, you can't get temple blessings if you don't go to the temple you can't be sealed as a family if you don't ever go to the temple um you can't obtain certain blessings because maybe we're asking for a specific blessing and we can't get it because we're not obeying a commandment that has been given to us 
And we're just asking the Lord to bypass his, um, what's it called? His requirements, I guess, or just like, it's like the blessings there. And we're like, well, we don't want to go get it that way. We want to get it this way. Like we want to get it the shortcut way. (laughs) And that doesn't happen and that's not going to happen and it won't happen. And so if we try and get it the shortcut way, we just get upset and we continue to be in our same place. Like we're just going to keep asking and he's going to keep being like, okay, but there it is, you know? So whenever you're ready, just go get it. And I like, there was this one talk that I can't remember if it was sister Eubank or different sister, but I know it was a sister and it was during women's conference, but it talked, they talked about claim your blessings. And I love that. Cause it's like, just go claim it, like go pick it up because they're there waiting for us. So nobody is holding blessings back. They are available to us when we want to strive to get them. Okay. Um, number 22, the father has a body of flesh and bones as tangible as man's, the son also, but the Holy ghost has not a body of flesh and bones, but is a personage of spirit. Were it not so, the Holy ghost could not dwell in us. A man may receive the Holy ghost and it may descend upon him and not tarry with him. Okay. So we have. A quote from President Russell M. Nelson, he says, Divine law is incontrovertible. The same can be said of the law of gravity and the laws of foil and lift that allow airplanes to fly. Each is an absolute truth. Doctors or pilots do not have the power to change those laws, but their understanding of them safeguards lives. My dear brothers and sisters, divine laws are God's gifts to his children. Just as our family's rules kept our children safe as they grew to adulthood, just as divine laws governing the heart and the flight of airplanes keep you safe on an operating table or while traveling, abiding by God's laws will keep you safe as you progress toward eventual exaltation. Let me say it as succinctly as I can. As you abide by God's laws, you are progressing toward exaltation. The prophet Joseph, Joseph Smith taught that God instituted laws whereby, whereby we could have a privilege to advance like himself. God's greatest blessings are reserved for those who obey his laws. Isn't that beautiful? I love that. And so now we are in verse... 131 and oh actually before we get there the the holy ghost the scripture here where it says a man may receive the holy ghost and it may descend upon him and not tarry with him so we have the holy ghost with us at all times when we um when we are baptized that is our promise from the lord when we choose to get baptized that we can always have him with us right and But other people who have not been baptized are able to feel the Holy Ghost and receive the Holy Ghost in a temporary manner. But everyone has the light of Christ, which is different than the Holy Ghost. Um, I think of the light of Christ as a homing beacon, like 
everybody knows where home is and that they have it all within them and they can shine their light and occasionally, you know, it comes out brighter than at other times when they are um, using their gifts to help others. But not everyone has the Holy Ghost. And the light of Christ in other people can help them understand or maybe not understand, but maybe know that what they're doing is not right or maybe know that they want to take a different path than the one that they're on or maybe help them understand that they have a bigger purpose in life than just to exist. And so so I really like this scripture. Okay, we're on 130 and... Section 130 is real, or 131 is really short. I'm going to read it really quick, see if Flora will let me check. Okay, she's just chilling, so we're going to, um, she's not sleeping, but she's chilling in her, in her bed. So, um, this is a section that Joseph Smith went to stay with a couple and because they were his really good friends. And this was, Joseph Smith was trying to focus on the temple and the next life. And he was in the home of Benjamin and Melissa Johnson and gave them some advice. And um, this was... So it was this instruction by, and so now I'm going to read from section 131. Instructions by Joseph Smith, the prophet, given at Ramus, Illinois, May 16th and 17th, 1843. So he was wanting to, okay, here, I'll just actually, I'll read the little excerpt here, the historical background. Okay, it says, in the evening, He called me and my wife to come and sit down, for he wished to marry us according to the law of the Lord. I thought it a joke and said, I should not marry my wife again unless she courts me, for I did it all the first time. He chided my levity, told me he was in earnest, and so it proved, for we stood up and were sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. Um, And this was recorded in Benjamin Johnson's journal, page 96. Um... And then after this instruction and sealing, Joseph talked to others as well, including William Clayton, his secretary. And during the time of May 16 and 17, William recorded some of the teachings of Joseph Smith on the topic of eternal marriage. These instructions are now combined into section 131 of the Doctrine and Covenants. And I think it's pretty awesome that he really just loved this couple so much that he wanted to make sure that they would be sealed even though his friend was trying to be super funny about it and kind of a little bit awkward, you know, like sometimes our friends were like trying to talk to them about Jesus and serious stuff. And then they make jokes and you're like, huh? And you want to keep it like still like spiritual and stuff. But I love that he persisted, you know, I mean, he is the prophet. And so I get it that he might have a little bit more um, courage than some of us feel like we might have. And so he was able to continue with the ceiling and 
even though his friend was kind of joking about it. And so sometimes that kind that kind of just teaches me like sometimes even though our friends joke about certain things, like still teach um, and help them understand things because because we have been given that knowledge and they haven't. And so we are like it's our responsibility to teach them because we have that and we don't want to keep it to ourselves. Um, okay, so section 131, one to four celestial marriage is essential to exaltation in the highest heaven. Five to six, how men are sealed up unto eternal life is explained. And seven to eight, all spirit is matter. One, in the celestial glory, there are three heavens or degrees. And in order to obtain the highest, a man must enter into this order of the priesthood, meaning the new and everlasting covenant of marriage. And if he does not, he cannot obtain it. He may enter into the other, but that is the end of his kingdom. He cannot have an increase. Okay. And then from those four verses, um, we get some more information from Joseph Smith's history of the church. He says, except a man and his wife enter into an everlasting covenant and be married for eternity while in his, uh, in this probation, meaning like on earth with the body, by the power and authority of the holy priesthood, they will cease to increase when they die. That is, they will not have any children after the resurrection, but those who are married by the power and authority of the priesthood in this life and continue without committing the sin against the Holy Ghost will continue to increase and have children in the celestial glory. Joseph Smith, History of the Church, 5391. Um, it's amazing that we can be sealed forever. And I love that we get to have families after the resurrection too. Like we can have more kids because I wanted more kids <laughs> and just not been able to have as many as I wanted here. So I'm grateful for the opportunity to do that later with Clark because he's such a good dad. And with the brothers because they're good brothers. And with Clark, she's going to be a really good big sister someday. And so I'm grateful that that we'll have that that option given to us later. Um, And what's nice about that is that I will be in a resurrected body so it won't feel so hard <laughs> having a kid later in life um okay and we're gonna keep reading because i gotta finish to get miss flora okay f- number five may 17th 1830 1843 the more sure word of prophecy means a man's knowing that he is sealed up unto eternal life by revelation in the spirit of prophecy through the power of the holy priesthood. Six, it is impossible for a man to be saved in ignorance. Seven, there is no such thing as immaterial matter. All spirit is matter, but it is more fine or pure and can only be discerned by pure eyes. And number eight, we cannot see it, but when our bodies are purified, we shall see that it is all matter. And that matters. <laughs> um, let's see. I'm going to read this here. It's from Elder Charles W. Penrose. 
And it says from verses 7 and 8, he says, Spirit is a substance. It is not immaterial. It may have some properties that are different from that which we see and handle, which we call matter. But it is a reality, a substantial reality. The spirit can understand spirit and grasp spirit. A spiritual person can take the hand of another spiritual person and it is substantial. A person in body could not grasp a spirit for that spirit has different properties to those of our bodies and it is governed by different laws to those that govern us in this sphere of mortality. A spiritual substance organized into form occupies room and space just as much as it is just as much in its sphere as these natural particles occupy in this sphere. So I love that. Just the thought of spirits actually having matter, like, that's pretty, it's pretty awesome. Um, And then Joseph Smith says, the spirit of man is not a created being. It It existed from eternity and will exist to eternity. And if anything created cannot be eternal, and earth, water, etc. had their existence in an elementary state from eternity. Wow, this is blowing my mind. So, as children of heavenly parents, we are their offspring, not a creation like a painting or ceramic. Our spirits are directly from them, and our spirits have substance. It's just blowing my mind. And I love thinking of those things. It just makes makes a lot of sense. Okay, um, section 132 is going to be a hard section because we're talking about uh, plural marriage. And I heard a lot of different podcasts about this. And I even read the Saints book. And even after reading the Saints book, I felt a little bit better about the experience of plural marriage and I was able to come to some kind of a temporary conclusion for myself um, because I feel like plural marriage is something that I would personally struggle with if it if the Lord decided that he wanted to make that some kind of a requirement <laughs> um, but I was able to listen to a couple things I did like the all in podcast that one was really cool um, so I would listen to that one about polygamy. Um, so if you want to listen to that, I would really encourage you to do that. It was really good. Um, but my biggest takeaway from everything was that they were required to um, live a specific law that the Lord gave. And it was a temporary law that the Lord gave, but that it was a huge sacrifice for everyone who was um, asked to participate in this um, law that the Lord was giving um, and that certain people were able to live it really well. Certain people were able to, uh, did not live it really well. Some people hated it. Some people really liked it. And then there's those people who didn't get asked to participate in um in this sacrifice yet they chose to take advantage and they did they tried to get plural wives and so I feel like the Lord 
had a holy purpose and a holy um, outcome for those who were going to participate in it. But because we are human and we make mistakes and we're not perfect, then it came out maybe not so perfectly in the way that everyone lived lived this. And we have to remember that these are pioneers, which means they did not have the gospel for as long as we've been living the gospel, you know? Um, and so it would definitely be a challenge for saints who were just introduced the gospel and then introduced to multiple different commandments that they were needing to... Um, obey and then they had this as well so it was just like they they likened it to uh the lord likens it to an abrahamic covenant um or sacrifice um and because abraham had to sacrifice isaac and how that would be impossible to even you know um try and complete (laughs) or try and do or even strive to do it, you know? Um, and so this was likened this, like when the Lord asked them to, um, enter into plural marriage, that it was a huge sacrifice like that from Abraham and Isaac. And so just remember that when you're going through and when you're reading, um, and that every, we always have a choice. The Lord's never going to make anyone do anything. And, um, that it took Joseph Smith even about 10 years to wrap his head around it and even be able to do it. And it was because an angel had threatened him. I guess he did have a choice, (laughs) But when you get threatened by an angel, maybe you feel like you don't have a choice. Um, but you know what I'm saying. And so, yeah, it it was a huge challenge for, for the saints back then. And so my heart goes out to them because it would have been a huge sacrifice. And I know that the way um, women experience certain trials... Um, especially when it comes to other women that Satan takes advantage and can create that betrayal trauma in our life because of, uh, something like that. Um, and so, so yeah, like I'm sure that there were a lot of women that experienced that and you almost see it, at least from what I've read, I almost can see it in Emma where sometimes she is on board and sometimes she's not. And I, can totally relate to something like that you know where some days you like are on fire and you're like yeah let's do this and we're on Jesus's team and and then this is going to be amazing and you know you have this great attitude about any commandment right but you know specifically for this one for her and then later you see her you know struggling with it and it's totally exactly like what I struggle with on a regular basis with other things you know and it makes sense that that's that that she would go back and forth with that and it doesn't seem crazy to me to think that she um wasn't consistent with her feelings about it um because I certainly would not be at all and would definitely struggle and would fall to the temptation of feeling victimized in all this as well and so anyway that's just kind of my two cents um 
it is too bad that there were certain men that took advantage and didn't live the law the way the Lord would want them to live it um, and chose to um, take advantage of women or their families or, you know, whatever. Um, and so I try not to focus on those or else then I really do get angry <laughs> about the whole plural marriage thing. But anyways, that's just, those are just my, my thoughts, but that's section 132 and it has a lot of verses, I believe up until verse 66. So I'm going to skip reading it for now, um, because I need to go get Flora and then we'll be back. Okay, we are back, and Miss Flora is just playing around with some things, and I wanted to get on, okay, so there's this new book that Dad has recommended to me called The War of Art, and remember yesterday how I read the quote about time from, and this is when I say yesterday, I mean like just two seconds ago for you guys, um, and about how time is, this was from section 130, um, and how the Lord looks at time and how God looks at time differently than we do, and talked about in the book War of Art, and I would highly suggest listening to that, although the language is not the best. Sometimes he likes to use profanities. I don't know why. He seems like a smart guy. But anyway, um, he talks about some... He, he talks about how the there's resistance to everything, and we will encounter resistance to anything that's worthwhile. And any any creative endeavor, anything that calls us, basically or calls to us that we need to do is going to be met with resistance. And obviously we know that resistance comes from the adversary. Resistance is a tactic that he has. And so the, the book was describing how we're going to have that resistance and, but how the time. Okay. So the book describes how we're going to get resistance and to try and overcome the resistance, we actually get help from the other side and the other side, meaning angels and how are the angels are not restricted by time and space, but that, that they are like infinite beings, right? That are not restricted by time, but we are restricted by time. And so they like to um, help us create things in our time space where it's so limited, but with our limited resources and see how we create because they are angels and they are in a different realm than we are right like in a in a different space anyway like I really like the way that he was saying these things because it went with that quote about time um which I thought was really cool about I think it was who was it Joseph Smith or was it Joseph Fielding Smith or was it Joseph F. Smith I can't remember who it was now <laughs> but anyways um and I just loved 
how he said that in the book and how that really encouraged me to think like that yes they do like our angels do help us create things and God does care about the things that we create and he knows that we are limited by our um by our time and space that we have been given in mortality and but that doesn't lessen the fact that we can create here and that he encourages us and he loves us and wants us to do those things. Okay. Like passion projects and talents and gifts and things and create things. And that as we create those things that we've been called to create by the Holy ghost and by the Lord, and even our angels have encouraged us to do, you know, you know, and if we can do that, then they will be there to help us. And I love that. Well, we thought we were going to be able to read, but then this floor, this floor, baby. Oh, yeah, yeah. She's so sad. And you know what's, you know what's crazy? Like, I haven't been able to read as much as I'd like for various reasons. But one of them is because she became a little bit more mobile. And since that has happened, I have not been able to find a way to, to, to do these readings and during the feedings when is when i was trying to do them now we've been watching my baby can read to kind of help her with her actions and her reading skills even so young and what's been awesome is that she can do arms up so it's been paying off but in a different way so okay here we go let's see she's very sad but she kind of looks like she's gonna be entertained in a second Okay, um, Doctrine and Covenants, section 132, and I gave you my thoughts about section 132, the previous information here, um, and some backstory, I guess, uh, or historical background. Oh boy, come here, miss. <laughs> okay, some historical background says the topic of polygamy can be one of the most difficult topics for members of the church to understand. Yeah, exactly. Huh? Um, why is this? And uh, it says perhaps it goes contrary to the modern culture and even more because it goes contrary to the teachings of God we are commanded to do and live in this day. Um, let's see, from, I'm going to see if I can find like a good quote, who knows. B.H. Uh, Roberts says, there is indisputable evidence that the revelation making known this marriage law, plural marriage, was given to the prophet as early as 1831. And although, although Joseph likely received this revelation earlier, it wasn't until the Nauvoo years or early 1840s that Joseph began discussing the topic of plural, <clears throat> plural marriage with some of his closest friends and family. One of Joseph's major concerns, and reasonably so, was how Emma would take the revelation and how he, Joseph, would talk with her about it. The historical record of the church... Um, 
of the church states that on the morning of the 12th of July, 1843, Joseph and Hiram Smith came into the office in the upper story of the brick store on the bank of the Mississippi River. They were talking on the subject of plural marriage. Hiram said to Joseph. Okay, here's what it says. Here's what's going to happen. I'm going to give her milkies. We're going to try to put her down and she'll just stay awake in her bed. <laughs> but she just doesn't want me to do this. This is what's... Remember how we were talking about resistance? Well, she doesn't know about that. But she does know how to help distract people. <laughs> um, let's see. Okay, he says... I'm trying to give her a toy, but she won't, like, actually hold it. <laughs> so we'll put it on the um, If you will write the revelation on celestial marriage, I will take it and read it to Emma and believe I can convince her of its truth. And you will hereafter have peace. <laughs> Joseph smiled and remarked, you do not know Emma as well as I do. Hiram repeated his opinion and further remarked, the doctrine is so plain. I can convince only reasonable man or woman of its truth, purity, and heavenly origin, or words to their effect. Joseph then said, well, I will write the revelation and we will see. So then Hiram took the revelation to read to Emma, and Joseph remained with me in the office until Hiram returned. When he came back, Joseph asked him how he had succeeded. Hiram replied that he had never received a more severe talking to in his life. And that Emma was very bitter and full of resentment and anger. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and it makes sense to me because that's like betrayal trauma 101, you know, right there. Anger, bitterness, resentment. I mean, all these emotions, right? And then. <laughs> yeah, that's so fun. Joseph quietly remarked, I told you, you did not know Emma as well as I did. Joseph then put the revelation in his pocket and they both left the office. Following this interaction between Hiram and Emma, Joseph simply scribed, Thursday, July 13th, 1843, I was convert. I was in conversation with Emma most of the day. <laughs> so it is something that had to be done, you know? Um, and... It wasn't something that he was looking forward to, it looked like. So, Revelation, so section 132, Revelation given through Joseph Smith the prophet at Nauvoo, Illinois, recorded July 12th, 1843. Relating to the new and everlasting covenant, including the eternity of, mar of the marriage covenant and the principle of plural marriage, although the revelation was recorded in 1843, evidence indicates that some of the principles involved in this revelation were known by the prophet as early as 1831. See Official Declaration 1. Also, I just want to say that I am just full of compassion and love for these saints who tried their best to just live a covenant that they knew they would receive blessings for. And sometimes we don't understand why the Lord asks us to do things. And that was one of those things. So one to six, exaltation is gained through the new and everlasting covenant. Seven to 14, the terms and conditions of that covenant are set forth. Celestial marriage and a continuation of the family unit enable men to become gods. 21 to 25, the straight and narrow way leads to eternal lives. 26 to 27, the law is given relative to blasphemy against the Holy Ghost. 
28 to 39, promises of eternal increase and exaltation are made to prophets and saints in all ages. Joseph Smith is given the power to bind and seal on earth and in heaven. 48 to 50, the Lord seals upon him his exaltation. 51 to 57, Emma Smith is counseled to be faithful and true. 58 to 66, laws governing plural marriage are set forth. Hello, Finney. Okay, we're going to pause for a second. Okay, verse 1, Barely thus saith the Lord unto my servant Joseph that, Inasmuch as you have inquired of my hand to know the under, to know and understand wherein I the Lord just justified my servants Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, as also Moses, David, and Solomon, my servants, as touching the principle and doctrine of their having many wives and concubines. Behold and lo, I am the Lord thy God and will answer thee as touching this matter. Therefore, prepare thy heart to receive and obey the instructions which I am about to give unto you. For all those who have this law revealed unto them must obey the same. Ooh, sometimes when we ask questions, we don't want the answer. And that must that might have been one of those questions. Um, and so then the answer came. That's, I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe sometimes we don't ask questions because we are afraid of the answer. And and then we can't grow and we can't progress. Or we are ready for the answer, but it just doesn't come. So then there's those two things, right? Or maybe the answer is there and we don't want it to be there. Okay, so it says... Uh oh, and something that I thought that you know, since Joseph had asked the question, that's what the Lord's saying here. He says that you asked about um Isaac, Abraham, and Jacob, and I'm guessing he was asking because he was translating um those writings, and so that makes sense, or he was just reading scripture, you know, because sometimes when you're reading scripture, you like ask questions, but you know, we don't have like the Lord available to answer us right then the way that Joseph did. We do have the spirit which can help us understand things, but I feel like it's a little little bit different because he was getting that revelation directly from the Lord. So, okay, for behold, I reveal unto you a new and everlasting covenant. And if you abide not that covenant, then are ye damned, for no one can reject this covenant and be permitted to enter into my glory. So this one, so here though, a number three, it says, therefore prepare thy heart to receive and obey the instructions. So you got to prepare your heart because he knows it's a matter of the heart. Okay. And number four, we're still in number four. Um, for no one can reject this covenant and be permitted to enter in my glory. Okay, number five. For all who will have a blessing at my hands shall abide the law which was appointed for the blessing and the conditions thereof as were instituted from there before the foundation of the world. And as pertaining to the new and everlasting covenant, it was instituted for the fullness of my glory. And he that receiveth a fullness thereof must and shall abide the law, or he shall be damned, saith the Lord God. Seven. Okay, so... Four to six, it says, there's a little quote here. Four to six, it says, Elder Marcus B. Nash in December 2015 and Zion Leahona says, in the scriptures, the Lord speaks of both the new and everlasting covenant and a new and everlasting covenant. 
For example, in the Doctrine and Covenants section 22.1, he refers to baptism as a new and everlasting covenant, even that which was from the beginning. In Doctrine and Covenants 132.4, he likely refers to eternal marriage as a new and everlasting covenant. When he speaks of a new and everlasting covenant, he speaks of one of the many covenants encompassed by his gospel. When the Lord speaks generally of the new and everlasting covenant, he is speaking of the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which embraces all ordinances and covenants necessary for the salvation and exaltation of mankind. Neither baptism nor eternal marriage is the new and everlasting covenant. Rather, they are each parts of the whole. Okay, I like that. Okay, we're going to pause at number seven, actually, because I need to go pick up fast. Okay, we are back and we are still on number seven. Also, we're like a whole week behind right here. It's pretty crazy, but we're not going to be discouraged. We're going to take, we're going to identify how much progress we've made because it's amazing. We've read 132, almost 132 sections in the Doctrine and Covenants. And we are now going to continue with verse seven here. And so even though it might seem like I'm super behind or like Satan wants to discourage me because I'm missed a week or slow a week, it's okay because I have read already 131 sections completely in this amount of time this year. It's crazy. Okay. So, and let's be honest, I started late and so uh, catching up was pretty exciting. So anyway. Okay, here we go. Verse 7. Good job, Laura. And barely I say unto you that the conditions of this law are these. All covenants, contracts, bonds, obligations, oaths, vows, performances, connections, associations, or expectations that are not made and entered into and sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise of him who is anointed both as well for time and for all eternity, and that too most holy by revelation and commandment through the medium of mine appointed, whom I have appointed on the earth to hold this power. And I have appointed unto my servant Joseph to hold this power in the last days. And there is never one, never but one on the earth at a time on whom this power and the keys of this priesthood are conferred are of no efficacy, virtue, or force in and after the resurrection from the dead. For all contracts that are not made unto this end have an end when men are dead. Okay, also the Lord knows how to make so long sentences. <laughs> Uh-oh, hold on. Gotta help Flores. Oh! She's okay. She just knocked something over. It's okay. And it's like our entertainment center thing. We should probably glue that, but oh well. Um, hi, let's go this way. Let's go this way. Let's go this way. Oh, she's taking such good steps. She's taking such good steps. Good walking, Flora. How you doing? Good walking. Oh, you want your unicorn? Should we stop and get him? Let's stop and get her. Good, good picking up. Perfect. Awesome. Whoa. So we're going to come back around to our little area that we like to sit in down here so that she can play safely. 
Oh, except that she doesn't want me to leave her. I'm right here. Hey, we're just reading. Okay, so number eight, behold, mine house is a house of order, saith the Lord God, and not a house of confusion. Look, Flora. Bringing back memories, I'm sure. <laughs> um, and I love the talk from General Conference about the order of things and how there is the Lord does things in order on purpose um, and in sequential order on purpose, and that we need to uh, maybe think about why the Lord has uh, put those things in place. Like, um, and when we do those things in order, we receive the most blessings. For example, he gave, um, first you get married, then you have kids, not first you have kids, then you get married. Um, and then another sequential order would be, Oh, hello, miss. Thank you for coming over. Uh, another let's see another sequential order would be where you put your and this is not one that he gave but you put your socks on before you put your shoes on right so that's just some stuff that makes sense to us um and i can't think straight because she's chasing me (laughs) but that was a good example that was one of the ones he gave um and and that was at the most recent general conference and then number nine will i accept of an offering, saith the Lord, that is not made in my name. Oh boy. Nice walk. Or will I receive at your hands that which I have not appointed? So the Lord is trying to tell us like, uh, make sure that you enter into covenants that include the Lord um, and his power, which is the priesthood to bind those things that we care about the most here and bind them forever for uh for our benefit because i would hate to be without this mix what happened is it nappy's time is it nappy's time yeah okay number 11 says, and will I appoint unto you, saith the Lord, except it be by law, even as I and my father ordained unto you before the world was. I am the Lord thy God, and I give unto you this commandment, that no man shall come unto the Father but by me or by my word, which is my law, saith the Lord. And everything that in that is in the world, whether it be ordained of men by thrones or principalities or powers or things of name, Whatsoever they may be that are not by me or by my word, saith the Lord, shall be thrown down and shall not remain after men are dead, neither in nor after the resurrection, saith the Lord your God. Um, so things that we want to have last and the things that are of importance, the Lord has made available to us his power and has made it so that he can bind things that we care about um, to us forever. And I think that that's super awesome because, ah, good job, Laura, you got it. (laughs) She just got a ball. 
and I, I rolled it to her and it was perfect. And I never have good aim. So that's why it was amazing. <laughs> right into her lap. Um, okay. Uh, let's see. So yeah, and, and we need to make sure that we remember that it's not that the Lord is trying to get us to, let's see, how, how do I put this? He's not trying to get us to be with, to want to be with our family forever. That's something that's our job, right? But he wants, he wants to make sure, he wants to make sure that when we do get to the point where we want to be with these wonderful people forever, that we will have that opportunity because he gave it to us and he wants to be with us forever. So I'm like, he does want us to want to be with each other forever and wants us to want to be with him forever. But what I'm saying is, I think it's awesome that he has made it so that we don't lose those precious people in our lives. And just like, you know, the associations that we have here will be the same there, but they can't be there if we haven't made those covenants to be sealed to those who we love, you know? So I think it's important for us to, to take those steps so that we can take advantage of, of that gift that he's given us. Um, and then number 14, for whatsoever things remain are by me and whatsoever things are not by me shall be shaken and destroyed. And, uh oh, what is that that she's got now? Okay. What's going on, May? What happened? Yuck. Uh oh. Uh oh, let's clean it up. Hold on. I think she threw up a little bit. Let's go get a napkin or a wipe. Um, yeah, because I would not want to be without my boys without Finn or without Faust in my life forever. And I would never want to be without Flora. I'd want to be with them forever. And so it's my job that if I want them to be with me forever, that I do those things that help, help them, right? And it's like, I'm not going to try and be mean because who's going to want to be mean or who's going to want to live forever with somebody who's mean, right? But we're going to put things in place to help us in that pursuit. And so when we can, we do those things that help our situation with our kids, right? And, and I think that's what the Lord and Heavenly Father are trying to do for us here is trying to provide a means and a way for us to be with those that we love. He's not trying to be a dictator or anything like that. He's just speaking from what he's seen happen from experience. And then there's those rules that he wants to tell us about or the laws that will help us um, so that, you know, 
we can experience joy. I almost feel like it's kind of some like some of the things that we enjoy right now, you know, like common common sense stuff to us that doesn't seem like it would be a law, but it is. Like don't touch the stove when it's hot. Well, you know, we all know why we shouldn't touch the stove when it's hot, right? Or like food, eating food after an expiration date. You know, the expiration date's not trying to be a dictator, okay? It's not trying to manage your life. The expiration date is not there to be bossy or tell you what to do. But the expiration date is just there because they want to warn us about, hey, guess what? The food might be bad for you if you eat it after this day. And sometimes even before that day, right? Like if you smell stuff, sometimes it's even before that day. But I've never felt like the expiration date was trying to dictate my life. You know what I mean? So... Anyway, that's just like a good example, I think. Okay, and um, I lost my place because now we're at a different... <laughs> sitting down. I think we're on 15 because the 14... Yeah, 14 said... Okay, yeah, we're good. Therefore, if a man marry him a wife in the world and he marry her not by me nor by my word and he covenant with her... So long as he is in the world and she with him, their covenant and marriage are not of force when they are dead. And when they are out of the world, therefore they are not bound by any law when they are out of the world. So I mean, I guess if you don't want to live with your spouse forever, it's no big deal. Don't worry about getting sealed in the temple. Okay, Flora's trying to reach a salt shaker. That's not for that's not for that's not for eating. Okay. The salt shaker. <laughs> You're go, Flora. Okay. She now she's trying to dance. Um but if you do love your family and love your wife and want to spend the rest of forever. I feel like that's where the Lord was like, hey, then that's perfect because we have a, a law that we think is going to bless your life. And so um, that's what it's there for, you know? Yeah, we might make that choice, okay? Because some people might be like, well, what if you get divorced, okay? So I feel like it's a good idea to make choices when you're excited about the idea, right? Like who's going to make a choice out on a bad day and think that the results from that choice are going to be like amazing, right? When you're not feeling excited about something, of course you're going to choose not the hard thing. And I think that's kind of like marriage, you know, we chose marriage to our spouse when everything was amazing, when everything was on the up and up and everybody was acting right. And everybody had amazing goals or Everybody had an amazing body or everybody had an uh, amazing job or they had a nice car or, you know, whatever it is, okay? Um, hopefully, you're marrying your spouse because they're an amazing person on the inside and not because they look a specific way on the outside because those looks will fade. People, I'm only talking about my personal experience because I don't look like what I did when I was in high school. And so let's try and choose a spouse that we think is amazing and that we will want to spend forever with them. 
um, no matter what, right? No matter what happens. And our love for them will continue to grow throughout the time. But 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 at the at the time when we want to get married, of course, being with someone else does not even cross our mind. So we want to be with them forever. So that's where the Lord's like, hey, perfect. Then go ahead and marry them and marry them in the temple so that it'll last longer than when you just die. Right? Because, I mean, we've all heard those stories that are sad where, like, somebody's spouse dies, like, the day after they got married or, like just super young newlyweds and they got and one of the spouses died but i mean obviously nobody wishes this upon anyone but if you wait until you you're like real sure if you want to be with this person forever then you might not even get the opportunity to do so and so i think making that choice when when everybody's excited about things is a great time to make that choice because you're excited about each other and the opportunity that you have to be together forever and so take the take the plunge if you will and go for it you know and then yes I know that life will be hard with a complete stranger right because really that's who you're marrying doesn't matter how long you know them they are not your sibling okay so like we did not live or grow up with them our whole lives and so of course they're gonna be different than us and but you know we can be compassionate and patient and even when things aren't as exciting maybe as when you were dating it doesn't mean that we need to cancel the choice we made you know I think it just means that we might need to reevaluate how we're serving right because how how often did we serve our spouse when we were dating our spouse Right? Don't think about what they did for you, but think about how often you served your spouse when you were dating. And think about how much you're serving them now. And it's like, you know, a good reflection because now I'm like, oh man, I probably need to do a little bit more serving because I know that that's how I can show my love. But also, that's how my love can grow. It's not just a way to show my love, but it's a way to grow the love. Anyway, so uh, President Monson says, choose your love love your choice, right? And so that's about, that about sums it up. Anyway, I'm not going to keep talking about it, but this is like, I think it's perfect because, oh, and okay, maybe I will keep talking about it. I do like how sometimes um, the opportunity for eternal marriage and eternal families is usually like a really big selling point. And I only say selling, not that we actually sell anything. But it's a really good motivator for people who are not of our faith to want to look into the church and um, and the different things that we offer. Uh, or I should say that the Lord offers them through the gospel of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So... Sometimes the eternal marriage and eternal families can really make a difference in your ministering efforts and in your missionary work because people really get excited about being with their loved ones forever, right? Arms up. Arms up. Good job, Flora. <laughs> I think she's all done. Oh, yeah. Were we sitting here for so long? Which it doesn't really seem like because I only read like a verse. I only read like one verse, mate. But I was talking for a while, I guess. And she's all done. Maybe we'll give her one of these. <laughs> Is that fun? She like that. He goes.
Okay, we're going to read number 16. Therefore, when they are out of the world, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are appointed, appointed angels in heaven, which angels are ministering servants to the minister for those who are worthy of far more and an exceeding and an eternal weight of glory. So there's not only will we arms up, <laughs> not only will we be blessed to spend time with our loved ones forever and be with them forever, but we won't be restricted by, we'll be free to live the way God lives and we won't be restricted by um, the things that that we would be restricted to if we chose to not be sealed to our to our loved ones, you know? Now, we do do work for the dead, right? And so if you do die and your ancestor or your posterity is like, hey, we need to seal them, then perfect, right? Then it works out. But don't leave it up to your posterity to make things right for you. Because that's irresponsible. <laughs> okay. Um, 18. And again, verily I say unto you, if a man marry a wife and make a covenant with her for time and for all eternity, if that covenant is not by me or by my word, which is my law and is not sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise through him, arms up, who I have appointed and appointed unto this power, then it is not valid. Neither of course, when they are out of the world because they are not joined by me. saith the Lord, neither by my word, when they are out of the world, it cannot be received there because the angels and gods are appointed there by whom they cannot pass. They cannot therefore inherit my glory for my house is a house of order, saith the Lord God. Okay. So, um, my parents got sealed in the temple and I remember that special day. And then my parents actually did get a temple divorce, which means that they are no longer sealed um, together for forever, which is, you know, I guess fine for them. Um, and I always had this big worry that I was going to, like, somehow be lost in space or something. I don't know. <laughs> it, make, it makes no sense now. But I... But I still remember the feeling of being lost in space. I still remember the feeling of not being connected to anyone because my parents chose to get divorced and I felt like I didn't have a family and like I didn't even know if my brothers could be with me because I didn't I don't know how the temple ceilings work and um, and so when my parents got divorced, I really struggled with that. Um, and then when they got the temple divorce, um, I kind of struggled with that too, even though it had been a while. Um, but I know that everything will work out and... Um, I had a bishop tell me one time because I was concerned about it. And he said that I was focusing on 
on the wrong thing that I was not focusing on my personal progress and growth, but I was worrying too much about where other people's choices had taken them. And I kind of understood that, but at the same time, you know, it, it does make sense. You know, if you are sealed together, you know, I feel like there's like these, this little jar, right? And we, we seal things. And so together we can be sealed in like our, our little jar. But if somebody breaks that, that seal or breaks the jar, well, everything gets spilled out, right? And so nothing is contained. There's nothing to keep them there. Or if there's a chain, right? There's a chain with everybody. But then if you break a link, right? Like now the chain's just dangling. Like part of it broke. It's just there. So it makes sense that I'm... That I would still be a little bit confused about it, I guess. And... But I know I have a testimony. I have felt that the Lord has told me that I don't need to worry about it. Because I will get to be with the people that I love. And that includes my family, even if some of them chose to divorce each other and it's just hard sometimes you know because because so many things are unknown and I'm sure there's like scripture somewhere or <laughs> uh, definitely a lot of general conference talks have addressed divorce and things like that but I'm grateful that families can be together forever. And I'm grateful for the peace that I can feel that I have been given to know that even though my parents chose to divorce and chose to not have their temple marriage or have their temple marriage sealed, broken, that everything will work out and that the Lord knows what heaven looks like for me and that I can strive for that. Okay. Uh, number 19. We are never going to get through this. <laughs> oh boy. I keep slowing down for every verse. And again, verily I say unto you, if a man marry a wife by my word, which is my law, and by the new and everlasting covenant, and it is sealed upon them by the Holy Spirit of promise, by him who is anointed unto whom I have appointed this power and the keys of the priesthood, and it shall be said unto them, ye shall come forth in the first resurrection, and if it be after the first resurrection in the next resurrection, and shall inherit thrones, kingdoms, principalities, and powers, dominions, all heights and depths, then shall it be written in the Lamb's book of life that he shall commit no murder, whereby to shed innocent blood. And if he abide in my covenant and commit no murder, whereby to shed innocent blood, it shall be done unto them, in all things whatsoever my servant hath put upon them in time and through all eternity and shall be of full force when they are out of the world. And they shall pass by the angels and the gods which are set there to their exaltation and glory in all things. 
as hath been sealed upon their heads, which glory shall be a fullness and continuation of the seeds forever and ever. Okay, so um, I think I, I'm pretty sure I heard something about, like, to make sure that we are not killing people. <laughs> like, that seems to be the number one rule right there, is don't kill peeps, you know, as much as we want to. Don't kill them, because that's how we will forfeit all of our, our blessings. Um, and I feel like um, he's give, he's saying, it seems weird to include that part of not killing in the marriage explanation. Um, but I guess that's the one thing that can break our our ability to receive that level of glory. And... I think that, that that it might seem like it's not a big deal. You're like, ah, oh, I'm never going to kill somebody. But a lot of people these days are actually aborting babies. Oh, boy. And that is killing babies. That's killing. Um, and so I think that's definitely going to be something that they that the lord needs to or that the lord's going to be addressing you know later on but he basically spells it out here and so it's not it's it's sad but also so he he includes it in the marriage and so like so we're we're not killing okay um and we definitely don't want to kill babies but also like Maybe there was a lot of spouse abuse back then. And I mean, I want to say there's spouse abuse now and there's peeps who kill their wives and things like that. And obviously, if you kill your wife or your spouse, like you don't want to be with them forever. So it's not like it matters to you about that. But um, what if, you know, your spouse has betrayed you in some way and... Uh, with someone else and now you want to kill somebody and that seems more logical to me in that kind of uh, context and so maybe that's why the lord was including it there because some people might might feel like they need to kill somebody because of that and so it's possible and uh, we remember the story of david remember david and goliath okay yeah he was awesome oh boy She was climbing underneath the table and she fell. Oh, oh. Okay, we'll be back. Okay, so we're back. She's okay. Um, but she's still sad. Huh. So yeah, we remember David and Goliath and he was amazing. And killed Goliath. But then he also got caught in looking at Bathsheba and then ended up sending Uriah, her husband, to be killed in battle, okay, and so that he could hook up with Bathsheba. Yeah, not cool, right? And so I think, you know, the Lord has to mention it to us a few times to be sure that we get it, because I'm like, man, he's really spelling it out for us here. And so... I guess we just need to remember that because he's going to be like, I told you, okay, you were not supposed to kill peeps. Um, so anyway, okay, then number 20. 
Then shall they be gods because they have no end. Therefore shall they be from everlasting to everlasting because they continue. Then shall they be above all because all things are subject unto them. Then shall they be gods because they have all power and the angels are subject unto them. Isn't that amazing? That's just beautiful. And Faust, I love, he said, is this true? Mom said that we get to be like God. <laughs> and I thought it was so cute. So I think, you know what's interesting too? Is the fact that, and this is kind of bad, um, but the fact that we haven't really been reading a bunch of Doctrine and Covenants throughout the week as much as we'd like to. And somehow I have found that the topics that Faust is bringing up are like the ones that are in the DNC. Like, because he brought up the gods thing. And this was the other day. And I'm just thinking, like, that's amazing. We would have addressed it had we talked about it. And we would have talked about it even more. And I feel like he, like, our kids totally know what we, what, or they know the things that they are, are needing for their spiritual growth. And the Lord knows that they need that. And so that's why they started that Come Follow Me program. But then we're not actually following through with it. And so then we are not actually able to help them as much as they could have helped if we were just doing our job, you know? And so I feel like yesterday, you know, I might've been feeling good about family and evening, but then today I'm feeling like, you know, I need to do more with the scriptures that we have been given. And especially we we could have done a lot better with the Doctrine and Covenants and I'm sad that we didn't. And, you know, I it's like hard enough for me to just read by myself with Flora, let alone trying to read with kids who have responsibilities and schedules and things. And so the Lord, but the Lord knows that. And yet he still gives us these instructions. He's not going to be like, well, you know, don't worry about it because you're busy. No, because um, he knows that our kids need it and we need it. And so... Um, I just thought it was so cool that, that Faust asked about it. And I was like, that's so interesting that we're talking about it right now. So let's remember to talk to Faust and tell him, look, go read section 132 verse 20. It's going to be your favorite. Um, cause it talks about us becoming gods, but I guess I should have him read the whole section. So he would know that it's a, also linked to marriage. Okay. Wow. Can I just say that this is already two hours long and it's a little bit ridiculous. So we're going to hurry up and <laughs> we're going to try and finish reading um, section 132 because we're now two weeks behind officially today because yesterday I could have only had one week behind. Um, but there's so much stuff. Um, okay. It's no wonder people have four-hour episodes of Come Follow Me. <laughs> I apparently have too many momentary things to say. Okay. I'm pretty sure I was in section 132, verse 20. 
So we're going to read 21. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except ye abide my law, ye cannot attain to this glory, for straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leadeth unto the exaltation and continuation of the lives, and few there be that find it, because ye receive me not in the world, neither do ye know me. But if ye receive me in the world, then shall ye know me and shall receive your exaltation that where I am, ye shall be also. This is eternal lives to know the only wise and true God and Jesus Christ, whom he has sent. I am he. Receive ye therefore my law. Broad is the gate and wide is the way that leadeth to the, to the deaths. And many there are that go in thereat because they receive me, because they receive me not, neither do they abide in my law. Verily I say unto you, if a man, okay, so before I get into number 26, um, I just was thinking about how he said narrow is the gate that leads to eternal life and then broad is the gate that leadeth to death. And what I love about this is there was once a analogy or like a visual that helped me understand this a little bit better. So when you think of a funnel, you think of the wide mouth at the top, and then you think of the little narrow bottom, okay? And the analogy was made that if you try and do everything in life, good and bad things, and those things that we have been warned not to do, and, you know, we don't follow the Lord's commandments, we don't want to keep his laws, um, and we don't keep covenants that we've made with him, so we want, we just want to do everything, right? And I mean, there's nothing wrong with wanting to do everything. That's, that's human and natural. But we have been given warnings and um, protections to help us, right? So, it, but if we look at the funnel, the way that the opening is super wide, we get to try everything, right? But then as the funnel gets narrower and narrower and comes down to the middle and it's like super skinny and a little tiny hole, then the opportunities after we have tried everything in life, our opportunities become so little because we have now been subject to all of the things that were not meant to bless our lives, but we're meant to maybe restrict our lives or keep us bound to maybe addictions. I'm going to give um, our example of Grandpa Charles, or I should say, I guess, um, ex-Grandpa Charles since Grandma did, they did divorce. But anyway, so, um, but we, we've known him for so long. Anyway, so I'm talking about. But Grandpa Charles, his addiction that he started when he was young because he wanted to try everything, okay, he was restricted in his older years because the drugs that he had taken have influenced and have affected his mind so much that he's no longer able to be as sharp as he was before. Um, and it makes it harder for him to keep commitments and to keep promises and things like that with his spouse. And he couldn't control his addiction. He couldn't get it under control. And I mean, he went to more than 14 
um, addiction recovery programs. And, you know, I don't know what programs all that he went to, but I know we helped him through one of them. And it was just not something that was easy for him to overcome, but it was something easy for him to do at the time when he was younger and easy for him to, you know, hang out with those kinds of people that were doing those things. And then, and then his options now, as he's gotten older, have become narrower and narrower and narrower. And now, you know, he doesn't have, he's no longer married and he's been divorced two times. Um, and he, and it's really hard for him to get a job and it's really hard for him to, um, do his business that he's been trying to keep running and things like that because he, he wasn't able to control himself at the very beginning um, when he was younger. And it's hard because, you know, we're just, we're young, we're starting out. And, you know, that's why I can talk to you from experience because I know what that's like a little bit too. And so the more we can um, control ourselves when we're younger, the easier it'll be to have our options available to us. So when you flip the funnel upside down, it has the narrow opening at the top and then it widens at the bottom as it goes down, right? And so the more you're able to control yourself when you're younger, we start at the top of the funnel. It seems like you can't try everything, but that's okay. The more you can control yourself while you're younger, while your body's still developing and learning and growing, the easier it will be as you get older to continue to control yourself. And then those addictions and those things, those weakness, um, or those things that keep us weak and bound will not hinder our future capacity to be great, right? And so we will turn our lives over to the Lord and have the freedom to do literally anything that we want. And so... When we turn that funnel around and put it in the t- the skinny part at the top and then, you know, the narrow part at the top and the broad part towards the bottom, then everything, the world opens up to us and we are able to do anything that we want, anything. And we're capable of it because the Lord helped guide us to getting to that point to be that narrow opening. And, you know, there's still people out there that, um, were that have tried things and, you know, maybe they were able to give up their addictions to drugs or whatever, um, eventually, and then they can see the blessings that come from, um, repentance and from, you know, living that, uh, living that more holier life, um, but there are still consequences that people have to deal with from living that, life at the beginning. And so, um, so there's always consequences. There's going to be good consequences and bad consequences. And so if we can really try hard to follow those commandments that the Lord has set for us, because he's trying to help us, then we will have the freedom to do anything that we want. And so it might seem really restrictive, really mean, really you know, dictatorish, but it's not, you know, you still have that choice to follow um, the commandments or not follow the commandments. And you will have those good consequences 
and the world will open up to you or you'll have those bad consequences and you'll have very limited options at the end. So um, I, that just came to mind. Hopefully that makes sense. Okay. Okay, we're going to read number 26. Okay, verily, verily, I say unto you, if a man marry a wife according to my word and they are sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise according to mine appointment, and he or she shall commit any sin or transgression of the new and everlasting covenant, whatever, and all manner of blasphemies, and if they commit no murder wherein they shed innocent blood, yet they shall come forth in the first resurrection and enter into their exaltation. But they shall be destroyed in the flesh and shall be delivered unto the buffetings of Satan unto the day of redemption, saith the Lord God. And blasphemy against the Holy Ghost, which shall not be forgiven in the world nor out of the world, is in that ye commit murder, wherein ye shed innocent blood. And assent unto my death, after ye have received my new and everlasting covenant, saith the Lord God. And ye that abideth not this law can in no wise enter into my glory, but shall be damned, saith the Lord. I am the Lord thy God, and will give unto thee the law of my holy priesthood, as was ordained by me and my father before the world was. Abraham received all things whatsoever he received by revelation and commandment. By my word, saith the Lord, and hath entered into his exaltation and sitteth upon his throne. Abraham received promises concerning his seed and of the fruit of his loins, from whose loins ye are namely my servant Joseph, which were in which were to continue so long as they were in the world. And as touching Abraham and his seed out of the world, they should continue. Sorry, I'm working out at the same time so that I can be even more productive while baby girl's sleeping. Okay. Both in the world and out of the world, should they continue as innumerable as the stars, or if you were to count the sand upon the seashore, you could not number them. <sighs> this promise is yours also, because ye are of Abraham. And the promise was made unto Abraham. But by this law is the continuation of the works of my father, wherein he glorifieth himself. 32. Go ye therefore and do the works of Abraham. Enter ye into my law and ye shall be saved. But if ye enter not into my law, ye cannot receive the promise of my father, which he made unto Abraham. Okay, so this is where it gets a little bit tricky because this is where he talks about, this is where he starts talking, telling us the story about Abraham and Sarah and how they were allowed to have multiple wives back then. So this part is super interesting and I'm going to keep going on this workout we got going on here, but I'm going to take a mini break. Okay. So, God, number 34. 
God commanded Abraham and Sarah gave Hagar to Abraham to wife. <sighs> and, and okay, so that was the scripture part of it anyway. Um, and what I think the Lord's trying to help us understand is that Sarah, the wife, gave Hagar, who's the second wife, to Abraham to wife. And so it was definitely, that was the, the order that the Lord wanted, that, that the Lord wanted to have happen. And then here it says, and why did she do it? Because this was the law and from Hagar sprang many people. This therefore was fulfilling among other things, the promises. Was Abraham therefore under condemnation? Verily I say unto you, nay, for I, the Lord commanded it. So it was a commandment and that he was just being obedient, right? It says 36, Abraham was commanded to offer his son Isaac. Nevertheless, it was written, thou shalt not kill. Abraham, however, did not refuse and it was accounted unto him for righteousness, right? So sometimes, you know, we remember Nephi had to kill Laban and sometimes we think, that um, rules are rules, right? And we definitely don't need to break them. But in these cases, you know, the Lord was not necessarily making an exception, but I, he was just commanding them differently. And so it was something that they needed to do. It was like a trial of their faith, right? And we all have trials of our faith, Um and so I think it's, I, I think that that was kind of their, their sacrifice that they were making at that time. The, the pioneers, you know, they were asked to have started polygamy, the multiple wives. And that was likened unto this, likened unto Abraham having to offer his son Isaac um, and it was like that kind of a sacrifice. And there's so many, well, I, I don't want to say so many because I guess a lot of people didn't use journals back then. And so there's not very many accounts of, um, like of Emma Smith and giving us her feedback on how it went, you know, but, um, there are stories of other women who thought it was awesome and they thought of them as sisters, you know, and I could, I could see that that, you know, might be cool. But then the whole like husband would get in the way <laughs> of my sisterly love. So I could see how it would also be really hard. And it was very hard for some women to go through this too. So anyway, I already kind of gave you my thoughts on that before I started reading this chapter because I wanted to cover that. But okay, so then 37. Abraham Abraham received concubines and they bore him children and it was accounted unto him for righteousness because they were given unto him and he abode in my law as Isaac also and Jacob did none other things than that which they were commanded. And because they did none other th none other things than that which they were commanded, they have entered into their exaltation according to the promises and sit upon thrones and are not angels, but are gods. So there's like a difference here. I think the Lord's trying to tell us that, 
you can become an angel like or everyone becomes an angel but if you make covenants with God in the temple and you're able to get married and have a wife and um then you're able to have the opportunity to become gods and so I don't want to get into like you know if you don't get married here and you know things like that yes they have we have been um promised that if you you're not able to marry here during this life you'll have the opportunity to marry in the next life or when we when we die so um it's still an option but maybe some people don't want to you know and that's fine too um Let's see, 38, David also received many wives and concubines and also Solomon and Moses, my servants, as also many others of my servants from the beginning of creation until this time. And in nothing did they sin, save it those things which they received not of me. David's wives and concubines were given unto him of me by the hand of Nathan, my servant, and others of the prophets who had the keys of this power. And in none of these things did sin against me, save in the case of Uriah and his wife. Um, and I like that the, that the Lord talks about this example. Um, and therefore he hath fallen from his exaltation and receive it, received his portion, and he shall not inherit them out of the world, for I gave unto them another, saith the Lord. So basically because David um stole somebody's wife, you know, and killed her husband. Um that was not cool. And the Lord did not approve of that and nor did he tell him to do that. And that was something that he chose to do himself and so he wasn't following the Lord. In fact, it was it was easy. All he would need to do is turn away and forget it even happened, right? But Sometimes Satan gets to people. So, and sometimes that's what happens, I guess. And then because we weren't able to control ourselves here, then the Lord takes away our blessings um, in the next life um, as we continue. So... I think that's the whole that's the whole reason why we're here. We're here to try and learn to con- control our ourselves to to help our spirit control the action of our bodies. Um because our bodies are susceptible to just the natural around us. That's why it's like the natural man, you know. Um but like our natural man is very reactive. Um, but we can control the natural man with our spirit and be proactive or be a person who's like driven by action, like by, but their own self, not from any external, you know, where we're intrinsically controlled instead of extrinsically controlled. Okay. Um, 41, and as ye have asked concerning adultery, verily, verily, I say unto you, if a man receiveth a wife in the new and everlasting covenant, and if she be with another man, and I have not appointed unto her by the holy anointing, she hath committed adultery and shall be destroyed. 
if she be not in the new and everlasting covenant and she be with another man, she has committed adultery. And if her husband be with another woman and he was under a vow, he hath broken his vow and hath committed adultery. And if she hath not committed adultery, but is innocent and hath not broken her vow and she knoweth it, I reveal it unto you, my servant Joseph. Then shall you have power by the power of my holy priesthood to take her and give her unto him that hath not committed adultery, but hath been faithful, for he shall be made ruler over many. And 45, for I have conferred upon you the keys and the power of the priesthood, wherein I restore all things and make known unto you all things in due time. And verily, verily, I say unto you that whatsoever you seal on earth shall be sealed in heaven and whatsoever you bind on earth in my name and by my word, saith the Lord, it shall be eternally bound in the heavens and whosoever sins you remit on earth shall be remitted earthly in the heavens and whosoever sins you retain on earth shall be retained in heaven. And again, verily I say, whomsoever you bless, I will bless. And whomsoever you curse, I will curse, saith the Lord. For I, the Lord, am thy God. Okay, so there were a lot of people who were not doing this the proper way. And then there were other people that were. And I think um, a lot of, a lot of um, women, well, a, a lot of women have been sealed to Joseph Smith. But... I think it's because when this revelation came out and, and this is like just momentary here, speculation, but from what I've been hearing is most of these women really thought that you had to be sealed to Joseph Smith in order to receive the blessings that were promised instead of just being like sealed to your own spouse, because there were a lot of women who were married but not sealed to their spouse like i think my grandma la bolita would probably be one of those sisters who'd be like i need to be sealed to joseph smith the prophet you know because they just would want they didn't want to miss out on the blessings and they didn't think that their husband was getting the same blessings so they didn't want to do it do that with them. So so they thought that just sealing themselves to Joseph Smith was going to be amazing for their family. And so I can't really blame them for thinking that that was what they thought was going to happen originally because they were brand new converts to the church. Some of these people were only members for like a year, you know, maybe. And so it's like how can you when you get some kind of revelation like if you're not sealed to Joseph if you're not sealed on earth, then you won't be sealed in heaven and you'll lose all these things. And, you know, you're just like, ah, wigging out and you want to hurry and be sealed to, you know, a righteous man so that you can have all these blessings of, you know, becoming a God. And so the fact that they did this does not make me think less of the prophet. In fact, I, you know, I feel bad that the prophet had to go through that because, I can understand how some women can get where, you know, they might think that they need to do like they might think they need to write that letter to the prophet and really get, you know, going through that challenge instead of just talking to the bishop or talking to the stake president, you know. And so because they didn't have all those things set up yet, all those correct, proper channels and everything, then they were just trying to figure things out. And so I 
So I have that, I have compassion for those, for those people who didn't know what we know now, you know? And, and it's okay that Joseph Smith was married to old ladies or young ladies. And, um, it's not, it's not crazy to think that some old ladies would have wanted that. Cause I know like, again, La Abuelita would have been one of those peeps. I mean, to this day, she still talks about, you know, meeting Ezra Ta- President Ezra Taft Benson, which I think is amazing that she met him. But, you know, at the same time, I'm like, why'd you meet him? Like, you just went over there to visit, I guess. Like, because I see a picture and it was in Salt Lake. Anyway, so <laughs> I don't know why she was talking to him, but I'm sure it was something to do with the fact that she is very convincing about her ways. And she's very, you know, she's, I don't know what to call it. <laughs> Determined? Yes, it's determination. So if she wants to see the prophet, she's going to make it happen, you know? So anyway, so I think that's kind of how, like, that's what I picture. I picture, like, La Abuelita talking to Joseph Smith being like, hey, I really need to get sealed because I'm a single lady. And can I get sealed to you? And <laughs> I could just imagine, you know, some of these conversations. And because the Lord knew that it would all get sorted out after, I feel like the Lord was like, you know, okay, just do whatever you need to do, I guess. And we'll figure this out after. And so I think the Lord is very patient with us because we're trying to figure things out. And so it's okay for when we do stuff now and we're trying to figure things out, he's going to be patient with us too. You know, yes, we will not need to be sealed to a bunch of people. (laughs) because now it's all straightened out. But there might be other things that we're trying to do and trying to figure out and that we need help with and that we don't know what we're doing. And we might do it a little bit messed up, a little bit wrong, but we're just doing it because we think this is how we need to do it. And then later it gets figured out. You know, I feel, I think a lot of stuff like for business is like this, where you're like, I'm going to do it this way. And then you figure it out later. You're like, actually, I should have done it this way, but let's just do it this way now. Um, so, so I think it's fine, you know? Um, and then there were certain women who were, um, who the Lord did command Joseph Smith to marry and Emma Smith had to approve and things like that. And I do know that there are some women that, that were not approved by Emma. And so I don't know how that's all going to go. And I, you know, I love Joseph Smith. I think that would have been a really hard situation to be in, especially when the angels trying to threaten me, you know, like I think it would be really hard to be in that situation. So I'm not going to pretend like I know what was happening and I'm not going to pretend to think that it was the way that it was supposed to happen or, or that there was a better way. Cause I don't know. I, I'm not Joseph Smith. I was not there and I'm not the Lord. And so I'm not going to pretend, but just because he was not perfect at a specific commandment and just because he didn't, you know, he does, he's not doing the same things we are now. Doesn't make him less of a prophet. Doesn't make him, um, less of the man who was able to bring forth the restored gospel of Jesus Christ on the earth. And so I just, I feel like he's more, uh, because he was willing to try anything the Lord commanded him to do, even if it was really hard for his family. And so 
I'm grateful that they tried it. I'm hoping it never comes back. <laughs> so good for them for trying that because that would be really hard right now. And so I'm grateful that that is now over, that that stage is gone for now and that we don't need to even think about it until later, <laughs> until maybe you listen to this and then you want to talk to mom about it and that's fine. I'll talk to you about it. But it... It's not something that's going to change my testimony of the Book of Mormon. And because I know the Book of Mormon is true, everything else falls into place. And so my testimony is still strong. And, and I just, I'm just filled with that gratitude for those, for those pioneer ancestors that we have in the gospel, that they were willing to try anything the Lord said, even if it was messy. And, and then they did it. They made things happen, you know, they made things happen. And that's just our, our charge, you know, just keep the commandments, do what the Lord asks and make things happen. Okay. Um, number 47, just kidding. Number 48 and verily, and, and again, verily, I say unto you, my servant, Joseph, that whatsoever you give on earth and to whomsoever you give any one on earth by my word and according to my law, it shall be visited with blessing and not cursings and with my power, saith the Lord God, or saith the Lord and shall be without condemnation on earth and in heaven. See, so he's just kind of added a disclaimer there. Like, look, I know whatever you do that because you're trying to keep the commandments, you know, it's, I'm going to receive it with a, you're going to like be blessed, right? Just because you tried your best. Like, this is how you understood it. This is what you're doing. Okay. So you're, you're going to be blessed. And then number 49, for I am the Lord, thy God, and will be with thee even unto the end of the world and through all eternity for verily I seal upon you, your exaltation and prepare a throne for you in the kingdom of my father with Abraham, your father. See, so because he was able to keep his commandment or keep that commandment, he was blessing him, right? Behold, I have seen your sacrifices. Oh, and they might be many and will forgive all your sins for he was not sinless, right? I have seen your sacrifices in obedience to that which I have told you. Go therefore and I make a way for your escape as I accepted the offering of Abraham of his son, Isaac. Verily I say unto you, a commandment I give unto mine handmaid Emma Smith, your wife, whom I have given unto you, that she stay herself and partake not of that which I commanded you to offer unto her. For I did it, saith the Lord, to prove you all as I did Abraham, that I might require an offering at your hand by covenant and sacrifice. So now he's he's talking to Emma and he this would be really hard for Emma. I would be like, no, I don't want to talk to you right now. <laughs> you know, like, no, you're not allowed to give me a commandment. <laughs> but, you know, and I think from what I was listening to different podcasts, there are records of, of Emma Smith where she was totally acceptant and, and totally like gung-ho and she gave um, to wife or she gave a woman to wife to Joseph Smith. And then there was other times where she was not gung-ho about it. And I think I already mentioned, and I, I mean, that makes sense. It totally makes sense to me. Um, but here's the Lord t talking to her, you know, and he says, um, okay, so then 
52, and let mine handmaid Emma Smith receive all those that have been given unto my servant Joseph and who are virtuous and pure before me. And those who are not pure and have said they were pure shall be destroyed, saith the Lord God. And so, yeah, there were people that they didn't know if they were pure or not. That'd be weird, you know? That'd be like the worst situation to be in. But I guess the Lord's just trying to say like, don't worry, just it's it's on them, not on you. For I am the Lord thy God, and ye shall obey my voice. And I give unto my servant Joseph that he shall be made ruler over many things, for he hath been faithful over a few things. And from henceforth I will strengthen him. And 54. And I command my handmaid Emma Smith to abide and cleave unto my servant Joseph and to none else. But if she will not abide this commandment, she shall be destroyed, saith the Lord. For I am the Lord thy God, and will destroy her if she abide not in my law. Psh, dude. I mean, why, like, how would you not be sad, you know? <laughs> but at the same time, like, it makes, you know, the fact that the Lord could speak to to these saints was, like, just amazing to me. And so it would be intense, super emotional. Okay, number 55. But if she will not abide this commandment, then shall my servant Joseph do all things for her, even as he hath said, and I will bless him and multiply him and give unto him an hundredfold in this world of fathers and mothers, brothers and sisters, houses and lands, wives and children, and crowns of eternal lives in the eternal worlds. And again, verily I say, let mine handmaid forgive my servant Joseph his trespasses, and then shall she be forgiven her trespasses, wherein she has trespassed against me, and I, the Lord thy God, will bless her and multiply her and make her heart to rejoice. So this would be really hard too, because of course she's not perfect, you know, and, but it's like, we're going to be forgiven if we forgive. And I mean, that's all over the scriptures. And so the Lord's just, you know, kindly reminding her like, Hey, remember, I'm going to forgive you your sins. And like, I don't ever picture Emma Smith being a sinful person at all. <laughs> In fact, I think she's like the most perfect person ever, but she probably didn't think she was the most perfect person ever. And so she probably needed the Lord to tell her this. And because it is really humbling when you put it that way, um, to forgive others so that you can be forgiven. Because that's what we always want. We just, I mean, that's what we want. And we know that, and the Lord knows that that's what we want because he starts that, he starts with that like every time he's giving someone a revelation so and so my friend i forgive you you know your sins are forgiven thee right and so it's like that's our number one worry <laughs> so yeah it'd be hard so hard i'm trying not to cry okay 57 and again i say <sighs> And again, and again, I say, let not my servant Joseph put his property out of his hands, lest an enemy come and destroy him. For Satan seeketh to destroy. For I am the Lord thy God, and he is my servant. And behold, and lo, I am with him, and as I was with Abraham thy father, even unto his exaltation and glory. 58. Now is touching the law of the priesthood. There are many things pertaining thereunto. 
59. Verily, if a man be called of my father, as was Aaron by mine... Hey, <laughs> Aaron. <laughs> Just kidding. As was Aaron by mine own voice and by this voice of him that sent me, and I have endowed him with the keys of the power of this priesthood. If he do anything in my name and according to my law and by my word, he will not commit sin and I will justify him. See, and this is part, I think, anyway, some people say like we need to do things with the spirit of the law versus the the actual law like there's two there's two ways to be obedient there's to be obedient um law and then there's doing things the or the letter of the law is like where you're just obedient to the exact wording and then there's the spirit of the law which you're being obedient to how you're interpreting this commandment for yourself um at that time that you're trying to do it I don't know how to give an example right now (laughs) but this is like huge um when I when we were in the other ward it was like it was like letter of the law versus spirit of the law and I am a letter of the law person because until the spirit tells me I do anything else like I'm not doing anything else. I'm going by the letter of the law. So in the manual, it'll say something. And that's how I'll do it until something changes, right? So for example, actually, now I can remember one. For example, we have manuals and they give us lessons, okay? And we would talk about how we needed to follow the lesson manual, right? Because there's inspiration in that. But at the same time, we have a teacher in Young Women's, and this was my sweet LJ, and she would read the lesson, like, of course, she would read the lesson, but she also would read all kinds of books and so many things, and we had very few laurels at the time that they were called laurels. They were uh, 16 to 18-year-old young women, and we ha- we didn't have very many and so when we would get together we would talk about uh, when it was you know sister jensen's uh turn to teach lj she loved teaching she was so great at it and she would not read the manual words verbatim and i was fine with that because she was teaching the girls because she knew the girls right and she knew the girls like so she read the lesson and she was teaching the the girls based on her testimony of the things that she just read and additional information plus the questions and the situations that the girls were in she took that into account and so she was teaching and would not be reading the manual verbatim, right? So that would be like letter of the law. And then, but she was doing spirit of the law because she was not reading verbatim from the manual. And so that's kind of like how I could explain what spirit of the law and letter of the law is. Um, But that doesn't really help because, of course, we're always going to want to defer to teaching the best lesson possible to those young women who we know and have from experience have, you know, talked to and, and we know their life situation and, you know, talk to parents and everything. So we know what it is that we are trying to help them, 
um, learn and, and grow their testimonies. And by the way, you know, she did a great job because pretty much, let's see, one, two, three, we had several laurels go serve missions. And I know that's because of LJ and the way that she taught them. And so, um, anyways, I, I know that when you teach like that, it's great. Now, that being said, you, if you don't know how to do scripture study and you don't know how to do anything, then teaching right from the manual is better than teaching your own thing. So it, it's so hard to figure out, right? Because um, like, what are you supposed to do in that situation, right? Another, another one would be like letter of the law is speeding, you know, and you're going so fast (laughs) that it's not safe for anyone to be on the road with you, (laughs) let alone you going that fast, right? Because you could, something could pop out and it would be bad, right? So speeding is bad. So you're not being obedient to the law, the letter of the law. Now you might be late, to church or the temple or whatever, but that just because you're going to be late to the church or the temple does not mean it's okay for you to speed. And it doesn't mean that you're keeping the commandments (laughs) because you're going to church. And it doesn't mean that the Lord's blessing you because you're speeding. Okay. And I know because (laughs) I speed and it's not a blessing to speed. Um, but we need to keep the letter of the law always and it doesn't matter you know what like if you're late to church or not you know and so but that's that's the letter of the law now i can't understand um the i mean i do understand the difference okay and i don't think i'm giving good examples but <laughs> I do remember it was a big thing and people were not sure how to, maybe you guys could come talk to mom about this because I do want to have a discussion about letter of the law and spirit of the law because, um, because I don't even know why there's a difference, right? Like, aren't we supposed to always be, you know, listening to the spirit? Like if I am speeding, okay. And, or no, if I'm going the speed limit, okay. So I'm not speeding. And then somehow I am prompted to go a little bit faster in like a specific instance, you know, and then slow back down. Like that's living the spirit of the law, right? Because now I'm listening to the spirit, but we need to always be listening to the spirit. So that's what's hard because you're supposed to always be listening to the spirit. And, but, and if you're always following the letter of the law, like the, the commandments, and then you will be able to get the spirit, right? And and I think that's, and maybe this is where it goes. And I think that's where the Lord can bless us. When we are keeping the commandments with exactness, then the spirit can guide us in those decisions that we're making that might seem a little bit more like we need now. Like we need the spirit. Does that make sense? Like, okay, here's an example. If if you, and, and I'm only saying this because of the fact that we were just reading this. So if you were not commanded 
to have another wife, then you didn't need to have another wife. But if you're trying to get another wife, then because somebody else got a wife and you want a wife, then that's, that's not, that was not your assignment, right? That was not, you were not called to do that. And so you were in the wrong, but you wouldn't have been in the wrong. Okay. Had you just been keeping the commandments or if you're keeping the commandments all the time, right? You're not the Satan when he, he does try to tempt you. He's not going to be able to get you to take those drugs, right? Because you are keeping the commandments and you're, and so the spirit is going to strengthen you to not take the drugs, right? So that you don't fall into that trap. But if you're like, but my friend's going to the party and I want to go and I feel like I need to help my friend and the spirit's telling me I need to go to help my friend, you know, then you're putting yourself in a bad situation. And so it's harder for the spirit. It's harder for you to hear the spirit when you put yourself in situations that are not good. And so that's why the letter of the law is so important because when you are keeping the commandments with exactness, you are blessed with additional with an additional measure of the spirit. And the Lord can bless you for your exact obedience. And there's a quote that's like exact obedience um, or obedience brings blessings. Exact obedience brings miracles. And so it's just, it's just what it is. And we can, we can have this conversation later as you guys are adults. That would be sweet or youth whenever you listen to this. Okay. Um, 60. How many verses is this thing? Let no one therefore set on my servant Joseph, for I will justify him, for he shall do the sacrifice which I required, require at his hands for his transgressions, saith the Lord your God. Like, don't judge other people is what he's saying. Like, stop messing with Joseph. You know, he is not perfect, but neither are you, okay? I'll take care of Joseph's transgressions, You and I'll take care of yours too. That's what he's saying. But like, don't be trying to, you know get all judgy on somebody else's uh, business, you know, because it's none of our business. 61. And again, as pertaining to the law of the priesthood, if any man espouse a virgin and desire to espouse another and the first give her consent, and if he espouse a second and they are virgins and have vowed to no other man, then is he justified. He cannot commit adultery for they are given unto him for he cannot commit adultery with that that belongeth unto him. And to none else. And if he have 10 virgins given unto him by this law, he cannot commit adultery for they belong to him and they are given unto him. Therefore, he is justified. But if one or either of the 10 virgins after she is espoused shall be with another man, she has committed adultery and shall be destroyed for they are given unto him to multiply and replenish the earth according to my commandment and to fulfill the promise which was given to by my father before the foundation of the world and for their exaltation in eternal in the eternal worlds that they may bear the souls of men for herein is the work of my father continued that he may be glorified and again verily i say and verily verily i say unto you if any man have a wife who holds the keys of this power and he teaches unto her the law of my priesthood as pertaining to these things, then shall she believe and administer unto him, or she shall be destroyed, saith the Lord your God. For I will destroy her, for I will magnify my name upon 
all those who receive and abide in my law. Therefore, it shall be lawful in me that if she receive not this law for him to receive all things whatsoever, I, the Lord, his God, will give unto him because she did not believe and administer unto him according to my word. And she then becomes a transgressor and he is exempt from the law of Sarah who administered unto Abraham according to the law when I commanded Abraham to take Hagar to wife. And now as pertaining to this law, verily, verily, I say unto you, I will reveal more unto you hereafter. Therefore, let this suffice for the present. Behold, I am Alpha and Omega. Amen. Woo! We finished. Congratulations. And also super hard verses to cover. <laughs> There's so many um, comments on the redheaded hostess. And I'm going to just read one of them. It says, it's from Elder Bruce R. McConkie. And he says, Revelation from the Lord is always required to retain or remit sins. Since God is the one who must cleanse and purify a human soul, the use of his priestly powers to do so must be authorized and approved by him. And his and this approval comes by revelation from his Holy Spirit. In many cases in this dispensation, the Lord by revelation announced that the sins of certain persons were forgiven. Accordingly, if by revelation he should tell his apostles to act for him using his power, which is priesthood, and to this to thus retain or remit sins, they would do so, and their acts would in effect be be his. This same apostolic power is always found in the true church. That's pretty awesome about that. Okay, and for real, this is the last one. Okay, this is from Elder Jeffrey R. Holland. He says uh, about the Alpha and Omega, the way that the Lord ended these scriptures. It says, these letters from the Greek suggest universal role of Jesus from the beginning of the world to its end. But he ought to be Alpha and Omega in the particular as well, or our personal beginning and our individual end, that model by which... We shape our journey of three score years and ten, and the standard by which we measure it at its conclusion. In every choice we make, he ought to be our point of reckoning, our charted course, our only harbor ahead. He should be for us individual, individually what he is for all men collectively, the very brackets of existence, the compass of our privilege. We should not stray outside him. We should not want to to try. Oh, I love, I love that. I'm going to read that one more time. We should not stray outside him. We should not want to try. I am Alpha and Omega. Oh, that's so cute. And super powerful, actually. Um, I need that on my wall. <laughs> and it kind of reminds me of the song. Um, oh, what song is that? I can't remember the song. You know the song I'm talking about. Okay, and thank you for showing up. We have finished, finally, um, Doctrine and Covenants, section 129 to 132. We are now in going to be in section 133 to, hold on, section 133 to 134. Oh, I hope those are short. <laughs> Probably not. I love you always. Bye.